I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. Here's what you need to know about Sasha Fear, beyond the fact that her name is just spectacular on its own. She was a competitive ice dancer at like the highest levels. She now competes for Dartmouth College. She is the sweetest and nicest kid. And I mean, she's not a kid, she's in college, but I think of her as a kid because she was my summer intern going into her freshman year and she wrote a book. And she wrote a book called Plate to Podium. And it is about diet, mindset, routine, mantras, all of the things that Olympic athletes and elite athletes do to keep themselves and get themselves to where they are. And she pulled together interviews from 33 elite athletes, men, women, all different types of sports. And it's their recipes, it's performance coaches, it's trainers, and it's really about how you can live like, eat like, think like an Olympic athlete. And I just think it's so cool because they're also her peers. One of her sisters is a competitive ice dancer who is going to be in the next Olympics. And her other sister was a collegiate track and field star. This family, these girls, they are amazing. I have loved getting to know them. I think that all of the ways in which Sasha operates, she's so sweet. She's so kind. She's so disciplined and she's so earnest. She's just leads an exemplary life. And this is a book that showcases how other people who have lived a similar life that she has are also doing it. And whether or not you're in college, whether or not you're a high-level athlete. It doesn't really matter. When you talk about fear, when you talk about mindset, when you talk about positive thinking and words, letting go, this is what these athletes have to do all the time. The routines that you put into your life, the discipline, holding yourself accountable, knowing how to treat yourself so that you can operate to your own best advantage. They do it and they do it so young and they do it with such discipline. And it's something that I think women, people of any age can really get a lot of lessons from people in the book, but also from Sasha. We talk a lot about the routines that you put in place and the way you think about yourself and, you know, the letting go piece and just being able to just trust yourself, trust the process, the universe, and know that you're going to land the jump or that you're going to be okay. And that win or lose, you've put in the work and the effort to get you to where you are. And the pride in that is something that I have a lot of respect for. And I think we can take into our everyday lives, whether it's a speech that you're doing, a presentation, or it's just creating the ritual and the habit to operate at your best existence and your highest potential. Thank you so much, Sasha. You are one of the hardest working people I know. Besides being an incredible athlete, you're very entrepreneurial, you're so hardworking. Now you are the author of this incredible book, Plate to Podium, which you seem to have like created sometime in between school and training and life. 
And I give you so much credit. You are a real inspiration for what I hope my children will be like one day, which I've told your mother. Oh, but she loves you. She's obsessed. (laughs) I mean, I've had two of her daughters be my interns at this point, and you are both possibly the most polite, well-mannered, smart, hardworking, diligent people I've ever met. You're just unbelievably impressive. And then your third sister is just like off in the Olympics. So, you know, casual. (laughs) At some point I had to like meet your mom so I could just say, explain this to me. How does this happen? How do you have children like this? She didn't give me an answer that I felt like was adequate. (laughs) I needed more granular detail. So part of this experience of you is also now you're an author, but you put together this incredible book. I mean, it's really so well conceived and executed. Thank you. What was the inspiration? Okay. So for me, I love to have a project, whatever it is. And it was the summer before freshman year of college. And I thought, okay, I love to cook. I'd already dipped my toe into the food industry by having a granola side hustle in Montreal. And I realized I don't think that's for me, but I still love to cook and bake. But I thought, okay, everyone has a cookbook. A lot of athletes put them together. What is a way that I can do this that hasn't been done before? And I thought, well, I kind of want to take it a step further because I'm fascinated by mental resilience and learning more about what athletes do behind the scenes other than just nutrition. So I kind of wanted to create this Bible of recipes, training tips, all of their secrets, and just put it all in one spot for aspiring athletes. And also I wanted to give all the proceeds to Kids Sport Canada because it was mainly a project just for me and I did not need the money. I just wanted to give back. So it was so much fun. I loved doing it because I did it all on Canva. which is probably the worst way to go about it. But I had complete creative control with all the designs. And I worked with a local photographer in Montreal. And a guy at the rink actually is a sous chef for Formula One, which was so perfect. And he helped cook all the recipes. And we just had such a great time. And I had the best time putting it together. So yeah. I could go into asking you all the details about your own personal life because I adore you so much. But I think we need to take a step back and just talk about your own journey to ice dancing. When you were my intern for the summer, I was obsessed with asking you a million questions about the Olympics and the partnership and how it works and the training. And I found it incredibly fascinating. So I hope you can just give like a tiny bit of your story and what it's like to like live away from home training for the Olympics. Wow. Yeah. It's all consuming. Definitely. But I started skating when I was two and everyone asked me, how'd you get into it? And well, first of all, it's very Canadian and both of my parents are Canadian. So it was natural that I was put on the ice. And also my older sisters were also on the ice before me. So I kind of just followed in their footsteps. I grew up in London. So skating is not very big in the UK, but We were lucky there was a few ranks in central London that we went to before school. And I think from a young age, my parents really taught us about discipline because we were up at 
five or like 445 sometimes to go to skating before school. And we got in maybe an hour or two of practice or had to drive out of London to do practice and then go to school. And I was late every single day. Um, but it was definitely like I'm never I'm never going to forget those times for sure. But in terms of practice, I remember skating in my uniform some mornings just because we just had to fit it in whenever we could. Yeah, my mom was a trooper. I think, honestly, she was the real reason why any of us did anything because she drove us at the crack of dawn to practice. So you and one of your sisters moved to Montreal because that's where you had to train, right? Yeah. So the best training center in the world is in Montreal. And I'd been going there every summer. For some context, I skated with a partner and he's called George and we knew each other from childhood. And he came to London to skate with me while I finished high school. And then we both decided to move to Montreal full time to just commit solely to trying to go to the Olympics. And so I had applied to college. I got into college and then deferred two years and just pursued skating full time. And it was the best decision. I was very fortunate because I could just put all my energy into it. I didn't have to worry about school or anything else, but knowing me, like I need a project. So that's when I did the cookbook. That's when I did the granola. I just loved having things on the side to keep me occupied. And we met, you were looking for a summer internship. I first met your sister. You have two sisters, uh, one of whom is not a skater. She's actually a runner, Georgia. And she was a summer intern for me while she was running at Dartmouth. And she's now working in finance Mm -hmm. and killing it. And then you have a sister named Lila, who is competitively skating right now. Yes. So Lila and I both lived and trained in Montreal and she actually moved before me because she's three years older. So she's part-time at McGill and skating full-time. And so she went to the 2022 Olympics, which is awesome. It was amazing. And she's most definitely going to the next one. So my family's going to try and go in person because of COVID. We couldn't watch her in Beijing. And your goal is the Olympics, is Milan Olympics still or no? I, I honestly think it's shifted. I if, Ooh, I, found a partner, that's new. if I found a partner, I would definitely go back into the sport and push for that goal. But it's so difficult. There's so many factors you have to consider, like height, passport, ability, whether it's almost like a marriage. You really are spending hours a day with each other. There's the physical component where you're like, in holds or touching or there's lifts. And so there's so much connection that has to happen between the two people that it can make or break a partnership. And that takes a lot of time to build. And so whether we could get all of that together in three years is really difficult. And so I'm also deep in school at the moment. So we'll see. Are you still skating? I am. I skated for the Dartmouth figure skating team and it's so much fun. I mean, how do they like... Uh, they, you must dominate. <laughs> <laughs> you must be dominating that team. It's really, no, they're the best. It, the environment is so different. I feel like I'm inspiring people rather than feeling like the I was the worst and one of the worst in Montreal and was being pushed every day and was around the Olympic champions and world champions. And so to kind of go 180 and do collegiate skating, it's a totally different environment, but I think it works better for my life balance now because 
I think before skating was everything, but now school's everything and skating is just complementing it. And it's a way for me to be creative and have a team and still have a physical goal to work towards, which is really fun. Okay, let's get to the book. So this book, Plate to Podium, it's you, your sister, and other elite Olympic athletes that you, I can't even imagine how you found all these people that you made. So, <laughs> so let me hard. do some random so things. Like there are people in all types of skill categories and, and athletics in this, and they give you their routines, their mantras, their recipes. And I wonder... What do you think is all of it important? Is like the diet equally as important as the mindset, as the sleep, as the recovery? What's the most important or are they equal? Like, does it all work together? From my perspective, mindset is huge. What I was told when I was skating is that everyone can work out hard. Everyone can eat well or sleep well. That's all fair game. If you dedicate yourself to that, everyone can do that. But the mental side is something that's really hard to train and takes a lot of discipline. And I think it's the piece that how you show up on competition day, how you respond to adversity is so crucial to your success. And I think that's something that is underrated. And so I had to include it in the book somehow. And so I thought it was interesting to put my sports psychologist in there. I have an interview with her about what are some common traits she sees in Olympians or elite athletes, just that people can understand. I thought that was like, honestly, the most fascinating part of the book. I mean, obviously the recipes are great and, you know, you've got all these basically kids living by themselves, shopping and dealing and and in very, very high pressure situations, everyone. So it's interesting to see what they cook and what their routine is like and to see what commonalities there are. And I think that's cool. But the mindset piece, especially think that translates in so many ways to you're operating in a incredibly stressful, intense, elite level. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to do that, to maintain that the Olympics only happen every four years. So in the off season to continue to be able to do that and the setbacks when you don't win all of the things and to keep going that to me is fascinating. How do you do that? Or is that what actually makes you an elite athlete to be able to do that? I think it's what makes you an elite athlete. It's how you respond to failure and how you view it. I know a lot of people, even at a top level, that don't really respond well to it or they like break down. And also your self-talk is huge. For a while, I had to put sticky notes in my apartment with mantras that I would say in the morning at 6 a.m. when I didn't want to go to skating. And it was things like, how do I want to show up today? Or like high-fiving myself. Like the, I don't know if you know uh, Mel Robbins. Yeah. High-fiving yourself in the mirror to boost your like serotonin and confidence. Like little things like that. I just had to force it for a long time and I'm still working on it. I'm nowhere near to where I want to be, but I do know that it's those little habits that you can build. And the way that you talk to yourself is so important. And even at school, now that I'm not skating competitively, like I'm still struggling with it and I need to work on it every single day. Otherwise it's, it's really hard. The positive self-talk, even after all these years. It ebbs and flows, honestly. I think skating has given me so much knowledge about 
failure and how to respond to it and how to keep going, which I think has been invaluable for this next stage in my life. But it's definitely a process. I think I have a lot more room to grow for sure. And I I noticed there's a lot of people who talk about visualization and breath work and all of those those things. And you read about them. and, And it's something that I think we associate with athletes, right? You have to be in a zone. You know, there was one that was like a downhill skier, an alpine skier talking about how like visualizing the race course. Do you think that really works? Like, is that something that you've done, like visualizing the routine? Because that, like I said, that's a transferable thing. Like it could be something like you're making a presentation or a speech or something that you're totally afraid of. And I do that. I do that with this. Like I went to Pilates this morning and I visualized, like I thought through the questions, how I wanted to go, where I wanted to go with the conversation. And then I find that if I like walk myself through how it's going to go, even if it's my day, then it kind of like the day does do that. Yeah. You manifest it. Definitely. I think you're almost preparing your muscles. Even if it's your mental muscles, you're like warming them up for the performance that you're planning on doing. And it's so interesting. I remember reading something about people that are injured or like break their thumb or something. They just visualize strengthening that leg or their, their wrists as if they were exercising. And when they're healed, it's just as strong as the one that they were actually lifting weights with. Like it's all up here, which is mind blowing to me. I think it's so cool. And so You're definitely right that visualization works. I used to visualize my routine weeks before a competition. And there's definitely ways that you can do it. So specifically for skating, I was able to, because I watched videos of myself every day, I tended to fall into the trap of like almost watching myself skate. But the way that I was told I needed to do it was from the perspective of me and my routine where things are blurry and I don't really know what's going on and it's not as clear maybe like oh I can see my partner's face turning this way or I'm a bit dizzy on this part and just like almost as if you're in your routine and I found that to be harder to visualize than that's something that definitely takes a lot of practice but it works how do you do it how do you go into the moment? Let's say you're giving a speech or a presentation at work and you're paralyzed with fear. How do you train yourself to go into your body and feel the feelings and be in yourself in a future moment? Like you were just saying, you're going into the routine. How do you land in your body and like sort of become part of that? So it's not just a mental like, oh no, here's the race course going. Cause that's not, yeah, that's just imagination or like repetition. How do you feel it in your body as you're doing it? So that way it becomes like second nature. You're not afraid. You've done it so many times, even if it's in your head. Yeah, that's a really good point. I would say it's similar to what I said in terms of like knowing that I'm going to feel dizzy, like being realistic about it. Like I know that it's not going to be perfect, but I do put myself in a position where I'm like, okay, this is probably going to be a bit tiring. But when I'm visualizing, I'll think of places in the routine where I want to breathe more. And then it's almost like a mental reminder. So maybe I'm not like emulating exactly what I visualized, but it's giving me cues on the day. It's almost like I've rehearsed how I want to feel. And then in the moment, I'm like, okay, I really wanted this feeling. And so I'll like try for it. But it definitely is. I think the more times you do your routine, you kind of 
familiarize yourself with what feels good, what doesn't feel good, and maybe then take those points of like discomfort and maybe try and apply those to your visualization and think, how can I like make this feel better? Or what, what, what do I need here? And you can like almost rehearse it in your head. How much time would you spend doing that though? Oh, I wasn't the best at doing it. Like I know you're supposed to do it so many times a day. I try to do it like morning. I usually do it in bed. <laughs> like before I wake up, I would think about my day. And then before I went to bed, I would visualize my routines, almost like solidify what I learned that day and just go through how I wanted to feel the next day. This is a fascinating thing. What about overcoming fear? Like I look at you and I've seen videos of you doing flips and dances and jumps. And I'm like, you could fall, you could hurt yourself constantly. Like the fear of just all of it, or like the fear of like failing. How did you overcome that? And what are the tricks to overcome fear, fear of failure, fear of everything? And have you seen people get caught up into like a loop of fear? I would assume that's something that can really happen for athletes. Like if you fall once or you hurt yourself, getting caught up in fear. Fear is paralyzing for a lot of people. And I have moments myself where it feels like so overwhelming. But with skating, it's one of those things where you train an element so many times a day that it doesn't really scare you anymore. But for me, I felt the most fear going into events because if you don't feel, you know, I don't think I've ever felt, I mean, I felt prepared for events, but there's a lot of times where you you don't feel ready or maybe especially with a partnership, you might not be communicating well, like the day before you leave. And then there's fear going into that of like, you rely so much on another person. So it's just a lot of fear in terms of how they'll show up for you, like how you're going to be scored. It's so out of your hands that there's a lot of uncertainty in the sport. And that's why it's all about trusting the process. And that's, I come back to that every single time. If I know that I did everything I can leading up to it, I just have to do whatever I can to just release the fear or like embrace it. Honestly, I think seeing it as a positive is really hard to do. And I'm still working on that as well, but making it something that's not scary and using that as fuel. I was going to ask you about the letting go part. Yeah. One of the athletes who you interviewed talked about like visualization, but then you just let it go and you have to you to trust the process, trust that you know what you're doing. And I, I have a son who's a ski racer. And I, I was like, how do you go and like, let go and just do this thing? And like, he said, I trust my skis. It's like, you must have to just trust your skates. Like your feet know what they're doing. Your subconsciously know how to do this thing. And if you yeah. think about it, you're going to stop it. You just got to let the brain go so that your body yeah. and your subconscious can just do the thing. Yeah. Most people that I talk to, even I talked to my sister about this too. Whenever I'm competing, we kind of black out. Honestly, it goes so quickly before you know it, it's over. So really, if you know that you've put in the reps before the competition, you just go to muscle memory. That's that's how it is. Like I actually, in the book, I interviewed a really amazing skater and now coach Brian Orser, who said, I just try to do my average, which is if my app, if I can bump up my average to like 98% on the day of competition, then just do my average. And that's it. Which I think is a really cool way to look at it instead of just showing up and doing 
your average. And if your average is really good, then that's great. But how do you let go? How do you let go? How do you let go? I find that the hardest part of things is the letting go, you know, especially if you're doing all that work, the visualization, the journaling, the, that's almost like you, you've written out like a prescribed guide on how to do it. And that in some ways, that's not the easier part, but it's something that's doable. It's actionable. The letting go is the hard part, the trusting. Yeah. Well, for me, I had a lot of techniques with my skating partner. We worked with a sports psychologist and we had a routine we did before a competition to get ourselves grounded. And so for a lot of people, it's meditation. I found that like doing slow breaths before I skated just calmed me down. It kind of took my mind off of things and I just tried to be as present as possible. So I think there's little things you can do. The first thing is when you get to the rink or you get to your office before your presentation or whatever it is, just go there before, take in your surroundings, familiarize yourself with where you're going to be performing. And so it's not daunting and you can map out what you're going to do on the ice like visually and just kind of get a sense for your environment and take in all of the senses. And then what we did right before competition is we were on the ice before they called our names, we held hands. We like took a deep breath and we had like one grounding word. So we always said together. And then we like looked at each other and like that connecting moment just kind of grounded us. And then we just did it. And it was just kind of like an, I trust you. We're together. We're going to just follow each other and breathe. And then we just let it flow as best as we could. And of course it's never perfect. Like a lot of times I would get tense or he would get tense, but that one technique or for whoever is listening, if you have a word or something that you can do with yourself or whether it's like a two minute meditation on headspace, it can be a really great way to get present before you perform. So I think that that's really great advice. And I also think that one of the lessons I've learned from reading Plate to Podium is that there's nothing sloppy in what any of you are doing. To be able to be what you've become and like reach what the levels that you've been able to reach, the amount of effort that it takes to do that, the dedication, there's nothing sloppy. The way you eat, the way you sleep, everything is thought through. Even what you just said, you know, show up early, understand your surroundings. I'm sure you were never late for anything. I'm sure that that's part of the experience of being in the moment of this competition or practice, whatever it is, it's really being present and really being able to like follow through on the dedication. Yeah. That's the thing. Everyone always asks me like, how did you do that every day? And I think after a certain amount of time, it just becomes the norm and it's totally a habit. You just have to build for me getting up early. Didn't feel like a a big effort anymore because it was just my life. I knew it was what I had to do. And so it's just part of it. And then you just accept it. And then you can really just lean into the process and it doesn't consume all of your energy. Like just getting there, you always, you already are like, this is my life. <laughs> you just show up and give it your all. And I think that's why it's hard. Like even when people are trying to go to the gym or like that first stage is really difficult because it takes a lot of energy to get there. And then you'll reach a point where it's just like, I want to go. Like I, I'm excited to go. I think that's true. I think people have a very hard time creating a habit because they think they don't have time. There's a million reasons why. But once you've 
created the routine in your life and built in that space, then it almost feels weird when you don't do it. And you recognize that once you've been able to do it with one thing, it's like the space grows in your life to accommodate more. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Sasha, you are the best. I've learned (laughs) a lot from you. You always inspire me. I Mm -hmm. cannot wait to see what you do with your life because all the things that you've done so far have just been remarkable. Thank you for having me. This has been the best. And also, if I'm in New York, I'm coming to say hi. Uh, Obviously. Please give my love to your sisters. Please give your love to your mother. I hope I get to see you very soon. And Dartmouth is lucky to have you. So proud of you. Thank you. Bye, Jen. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.